Turn in your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we continue today where we left off the other night in studying right through 2 Corinthians. All through January and February, we've been in 1 and 2 Corinthians. And today, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. May we bow together in prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this time to study the Word of God and all the beautiful music that has gone into this worship proclamation hour for that choir hymn that caused us to worship Thee more and that beautiful duet that caused us to have our hearts lifted in self-examination. Now, Lord, look into this heart and anything that might be in my own heart that needs rightening and confession. I ask you to plummet its depths that I personally might be right before God as we stand to preach the Word. And, Lord, open every heart here, and may there come an openness, a liberty of the Holy Spirit as we hear God speak. May the Holy Spirit do His work of comforting and of conviction. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I think of all the passages of the New Testament, this passage has something for everybody. These 10 verses, they're hard to memorize, but oh, what a blessing it would be to memorize these 10 verses of the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Let me read them, and then we'll look at them. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he hath said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored or helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things, commending ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. What a passage. I don't think Paul left anything out there that ever could occur in our lives because it all occurred in his life. Remember that Paul is writing to the Corinthian Christians. He had written 
1 Corinthians to deal with some problems, very severe problems in the church. And he had dealt with them graciously, kindly, and yet firmly, head on, and yet with a lot of love. And some of the problems he had to deal with were sort of naughty, and the people didn't like it very much. That often happens. People get mad at their preacher. They get upset with their preacher. That happened to Paul. They got upset with him, and they wanted him. They, they, they started rumors in Corinth that, after all, Paul probably wasn't really called of God, that he wasn't uh, all that he was cracked up to be, and that he wasn't uh, uh, an apostle. And the word came to Paul. And so much of 2 Corinthians is written in defense of his apostleship. And I'm glad because he waxes eloquent and he deals with things in that second letter to Corinth that needed to be dealt with. Last Sunday, we talked about the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. And again, last Wednesday night, I'm tempted to stay in that chapter because there's so much there. But part of this chapter refers back to that. And then we'll go on into chapter 6. Notice three points in this chapter. First of all, wait on your business. Wait on your business. Secondly, watch for the blizzard. And thirdly, warn of the battle. A warning of the battle. As we begin in chapter 6, under the theme, wait on your business. We use the term wait in the sense of serving. The word wait means two things. Sometimes it means be patient, stand there and wait, don't get in a hurry. Other times it means serve. In Isaiah 40 verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Both those meanings are there. Wait on the Lord as in patience. Don't get in a hurry. Let God have his time to move and take care of all the matters. And then that term wait means to serve the Lord. Be faithful to him. And in this particular sense, we then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. I think the Holy Spirit is referring back to chapter 5 verses 20 and 21. Now then we are ambassadors for God, for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's dead, be reconciled to God. And Paul says, we then as workers together with him beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. You received God's grace, and as such, we became ambassadors for the king. Now that word ambassador implies what we understand an ambassador to be today. Man that goes from the court of one to the court of another in royal ambassador work. We used to say that an ambassador is one who represents the person of a king at the court of another. When ambassador goes from America to London, he represents our president, our government before the government in England. When our ambassador goes to Tokyo, he represents our government before the Japanese government. 
Now Paul takes up that term and he says, don't receive the grace of God in vain. And these verses, the early verses in chapter 6 connect with chapter 5. And he's just got through saying, we are ambassadors for Christ. Well, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is always in a foreign land. An ambassador is always in a foreign land. And we need to remember that as Christians, as people who have been born of God into the, into the kingdom of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, we are in a foreign land. We're in a land that doesn't care a thing about God. We're in a land that could spit at God. They did it at Calvary. We're in a land that would whip and lash God if they could. They did it at Calvary. We're in a land that would crucify God if they could, and they did at Calvary. Don't ever allow the devil to deceive you into thinking that this world cares one wink about God. It doesn't. The world system is at war with God. The Bible says it is at enmity with God. <clears throat> and if we're saved, if we're God's child, we are an ambassador. We're in a foreign land. A song that I like, we never sing it here. But our, well, to have a quartet sing it sometime, Jim. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Because we are ambassadors, we're in a foreign land, and we need to avoid being settlers, inhabitors in this foreign land. We're pilgrims. We're on our way to Emmanuel's land. God forbid that God's people should ever get settled into the plight of this world, into the things of this world. Secondly, an ambassador speaks for his country. Wouldn't it be a shame if we had an ambassador to Russia? He lived over in Moscow from America, and we discovered that that ambassador had decided he was just going to speak for Russia. He was going to find out what was the best interest of Russia, and he was going to say to America and to our government, now this is what you ought to do because this is what Russia wants you to do. It's not that way at all. Our ambassador goes there and tells the people in Moscow how America feels. Now that's what you and I are. We are ambassadors for the king. And we're in a world that hates God. And Paul says, I beseech you, don't receive this grace of God in vain. Be at your... Be on your toes. Wait on your business. Speak for your country. Speak for heaven. Wherever we go, whether it's at school or in our work, <clears throat> in our factory jobs, at the ball games, on the playground, wherever we are, if you're God's child by faith, speak a word for heaven. Tell folks how to get there. Tell folks about our King. Tell folks about our Christ who came and died ignobly upon the cross. When I use that word ignoble, I mean all the hurdles, all the sin, all the spit, all the ugliness, all the 
things that could be hurled at God were hurled at him. And if you ever get to thinking that this world loves God, look at Calvary. Oh, my friend, we're ambassadors. We're to speak for our country, for our king, and give out the message. I'm a stranger here within a foreign land. My home is far away upon a golden strand. Ambassador to be of realms beyond the sea. I'm here on business for my king. My home is brighter far than Sharon's rosy plain. Eternal life and light throughout its vast domain. My sovereign bids me tell how mortals there may dwell. And that's my business for my king. Wait on your business. Thirdly, an ambassador. What's he do? The honor of his country is in the ambassador's hands. Did you get that? The honor of his country is in, amb in the ambassador's hands. When we have an ambassador that goes to Brazil, it goes to Rio de Janeiro. If he messes his life up down there, if he says, well, I'm in Rio and nobody will know what I'm doing, so I'll just do whatever I want to do, and he messes his life all up, oh, it brings reproach on America. If an ambassador from the king of heaven here in this earth is careless how he lives, careless what, what he says, careless how he speaks, careless in his lifestyle. He brings reproach on his home country, heaven. And the world says, oh, if that's what it means to be a citizen of heaven, I don't need that. And so Paul says, oh, receive not the grace of God in vain. Be it your business. Wait on your business. Serve the main business for which you were born, for which you came. And secondly, watch for the blizzard. Watch for the blizzard. The other day, two Sundays ago, we left church on Sunday morning, never dreaming that we'd have a blizzard that afternoon. We had a funeral at 2 o'clock that day, went into the funeral, very little snow we came out there, were, there was two inches of snow and we drove way over in Butler County out at Little Muddy up on the hill way out in the graveyard and the blizzard was so severe that those dear precious people of the family couldn't get out of the car watch for the blizzard William Barclay says of this passage of the scripture this is a a blizzard of troubles and my friend the blizzards are coming the blizzards are coming blizzards of trouble be ready for them don't be afraid of them be ready for them now some people when that blizzard of snow came got scared to death and they ran for their life and they got in and they pulled the cover over them and they didn't get out at all I was so proud of a of a battalion of people that came to church that night. I don't know about other churches whether they were open or not, but we had a church service and oh God blessed and we had some people here. 
and uh, it was just precious. I understand why some couldn't get out, but I want to tell you, the blizzards of life are coming. And Paul rehearses some of those blizzards in this passage. He talks about them. He talks about several different kinds. I want to look at these closely for a moment. Verse 3 says, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Verse 4, but in all things commanding, commending ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. There are some internal conflicts of the Christian life. First of all, that word afflictions. In the Greek, it seems to have in it a meaning of that which presses down upon us, presses sore upon us. It could be physical pressure, things which weigh down a man's spirit, sorrows which are a burden of the heart, disappointments that may crush the life out of us, a sheer pressure of the demands that are upon us. Who hasn't had that experience? You're here tonight and you've lived any time at all. You know that you've had some afflictions, some things that just pressed down. It seemed like everything was weighing you down. But he uses the term, in much patience, face these things. The word patience means triumphant endurance. Triumphant endurance. Look at them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't run from them. Face them head on with much endurance. The endurance that can come only by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, that word in necessities, necessities, some burdens a man may escape in life, but there are some burdens that every one of us will face. Sorrow is one of those. Someone has said, only the life that has never known love will never know sorrow. You're going to have some sorrow. You're going to have some times of tears. Mother's going to die. Daddy's going to die. The other day, precious dear lady had to go in death after being married 64 years to her husband. You imagine how that husband feels. There's going to be some sorrow. There are going to be some tears. Necessities, Paul says. These are things that I cannot escape. I don't have to run from them. I don't have to hide from them. You know, some people go all to pieces and they never get over sorrow. Paul says, we need to face this with much patience. These are the blizzards of life that are coming. And I don't know how you prepare for them. You know, God doesn't give advanced grace. I don't have grace to die right now because I'm not dying. But I'm sure that when the hour comes to die, I'll have that grace to die. I won't have to be afraid. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Some of you right now don't have the grace you need to give up some loved one. And in the very thought of it fills your heart with fear. But when you get there, if you allow the Holy Spirit to help you, He'll comfort you. He'll give you the grace you need as you walk through that valley. Triumphant endurance in the face of all the necessities. And then there's a word called distresses. In the Greek that means a too narrow place, a place so narrow that you don't have any room to move around and you sort of 
like the world's tumbled in on you, distresses. An illustration of this might be an army caught in a narrow, rocky place with no space with which to maneuver or escape. Or a ship caught in a storm with no room either to ride out the storm or to run before the storm. There are times when a man feels shut in, suffocated, spiritual claustrophobia. Walls of life are just closing in on him. Some of you have faced that. Paul says, these are distresses. But face them with patience. Triumphant endurance will help you as you walk through these valleys and hard times. And then in verse 5, Paul gives a triplet about external problems that come. We've already dealt with internal. But he says, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, Sometimes you have to pay a price for being a Christian. There's persecution. Paul said, I knew what it was to be flogged many times. You imagine Paul. We don't ever think of Paul like that. We think of Paul as the great writer, the great preacher, the great missionary. But did you know that one day he was stoned and left for dead? Did you know that one day he was publicly whipped? Not just once. Some people believe it happened five or six times. Flogged. He called it 40 stripes save one across his bare back. Humiliation for the cause of Christ. How many of us have had to suffer that? Prisonments. Paul was in prison perhaps seven times. Now if a preacher gets in jail, we say there's something wrong with that preacher. Out in Nebraska, we've got preacher that has a Christian school and he's been jailed and I've heard some smart aleck say well that preacher is probably just a rabble rouser shame on you here in this beloved land of the free and home of the brave imagine a man of God having to go to jail because he dares to have a Christian school in his church some parents in jail out in Nebraska because they had their children in a Christian school in a Christian church Paul said, I faced that a lot of times. Prisonments. It may happen again. In, our, in the communist nations, there are men and women languishing in some prison. I heard about a preacher who believed in the blood of Christ. I read about this in Russia, where he well, it was in Romania, I believe, where he preached on the blood of Jesus. And they arrested him. And they put him in an insane asylum because they said, you're talking so much about the blood, you must be out of your mind. We don't know what it is to suffer, but it's coming. And we need to be ready for it in tumults. Tumults, the, the violence of the mob. One time Paul was preaching in a place and the whole mob violence erupted and they tried to lynch him and kill him. Efforts of the Christian life Paul begins to talk about next in labors in watchings in fastings toils and labors sleepless nights fastings but then he says God gives some qualities he first of all gives some qualities of life look at verse 6 pureness knowledge long-suffering those are qualities that come from God blessed are the pure in heart 
Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be knowledgeable. Study to show thyself approved unto God, and be long-suffering. And then Paul deals with the qualities of the heart, kindness, the Holy Spirit, love unfeigned. And then God given equipment for the tasks that are before us. He says, I, the word of truth by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, I think that refers to the ability to defend as well as the ability to attack. All of these things are characteristics. Now look at what else he says. By honor and dishonor, by evil report, good report, be deceivers, yet not true, as unknown, yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened, not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things, a series of contrasts that are always applied to the Christian's life. Did you ever hear somebody say, well, you're a Christian. You don't have any fun. <laughs> you, don't, you can't do anything. Well, they don't understand. Why, you're a, a poor man, and yet you have riches in your heart. If you have Jesus, you have more wealth in your soul than acres of diamonds or rivers of gold. And Paul, all through this section is saying, watch for the blizzard, the blizzard of trouble, the blizzard of affliction, the blizzard of problems, the blizzard of misunderstandings. A man's foes shall be those of his own household. And I think also, all the way through Scripture, before a person is invited to Christ, invited to the Christian life, he is warned, count the cost. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, beloved, the only thing a man needs to do to be saved is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive Christ as Savior, repent of sin, let Christ come into our hearts. But before we do that, count the cost. Count the cost. Are you willing to pay the price of an ambassador? Then last of all, in this section, I think verse 2 stands out alone. And I want, to, I want to entitle that verse, A Warning of the Battle. A Warning of the Battle. First of all, Paul says, wait on your business. You're an ambassador. Watch for the blizzards. Troubles are coming. Problems are coming. Don't let them take you unaware. Don't let them sweep you off your feet. Don't let them drag you down into depression and discouragement. Face them all with the triumphant endurance of patience which Christ can give. And then he says, I think capping that whole section off, he says, warn of the battle. There's a battle. There's an internal conflict going on in people's hearts within the sound of my voice right now. Listen to this. For he hath said, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And there's a battle going on in your life. There's a battle going on that says, not today, some other time. Not now, some other time. I'll not give my heart to Christ today. 
I'll not repent of sin today. I'll not make things right today. I'll not set my face toward heaven today. But I intend to sometime before I die. I talked to a man not long ago. I pressed upon him the claims of Christ and he said, Well, preacher, I'm just afraid I can't hold out. Oh, how deceived he was. He doesn't have to do the holding. The Lord does the holding. Our Lord is going to hold you. He's going to take care of you. If you went downtown and you had your little child with you, and uh, this man back here, Robert, has a little boy named Daniel, precious little fellow. And uh, suppose Robert take Daniel downtown. And he'd say, now, now, Daniel, hold on to Daddy, hold on to Daddy. You might say that, but what you really mean is you're going to hold on to him. Because you know that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And he'll he like, likely to dart out in front of some car. So what do you do? You hold on to him. You may say hold on to me, but you hold on to him. So does God do that with you. So does God do that with you. He's not saying hold on. He says I'll hold you. I'll take care of you. I'll be with you. I talked to somebody the other day about receiving Christ as Savior. And I pressed upon him the claims of Christ. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And that man said, oh, oh, I'm about as good as the people that go to church. I don't need anything. And he was comparing himself with the people in the church. Well, church folks, we need to live exemplary lives. We need to be above level. We need to be what God wants us to be. But oh, dear friend, without Christ, don't ever compare yourself with a preacher or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a church member because the arm of flesh will fail you every time. Look to Jesus. <clears throat> Sometimes Mrs. Garvin plays the violin in here. When she tunes the violin, she doesn't go to some other instrument over here and, and pluck away and try to get it in key. She goes to the master instrument, the piano, and strikes a certain note, and then she tunes her instrument to that master instrument. So must we do that? We dare not look at somebody else and say, well, I'm about as good as they are. I guess I've got as good a chance as they've got. Go to Jesus. The only chance any of us have is Jesus. And without him, we're hopeless. We're bound for hell, eternal separation from God. But when you turn to Jesus and you receive him into your heart, then he cleanses and forgives. There's a battle going on. The devil is saying, not today, not now, some other time. Wait till you understand more. Wait till you're ready. Wait till some other time. That's the battle, fightings within and fears without. This verse of scripture says, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And over in Hebrews chapter 3, today if you will hear my voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. Watch for the battle. Be aware of the battle. There's a battle going on in your life. And dear Christian friend, there are battles in your life. And in this auditorium this morning and within those who have joined us by radio, my friend, listen, there's a battle going on. Be prayerful. Christians, pray. If you know how to pray, pray. Don't allow your actions to cause somebody else to get off the track or somebody else to go to hell. There's a battle going on. Open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Now listen carefully and I'll be through. Our Lord Jesus was God. God tabernacling in human flesh. The Bible says He came into the world in His 
into his own and his own received him not. The Bible says he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Jesus was God incarnate in human flesh. He went to the cross. They spit on him. They railed at him. They defiled him. They did everything they could to hurt him. And he died shedding his blood for our sins. And three days later, he was triumphantly raised from the grave. And he's a living, powerful Savior who will save everybody who will come if you'll come to him today. We do it. Will you do it? Will you come today? Let's bow together in prayer, please. Our Father, we thank Thee for this marvelous passage of Scripture that has something for all of us. We pray that just now the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and somebody who is here. May that one just now say no to sin and no to self and no to hell and no to a wasted life and yes to God and yes to faith and yes to Jesus have thy way today father we pray in Jesus name amen will you stand please uh, let me let me urge you, please, to not leave while we're singing this hymn. This is God's invitation. And here's the invitation, very simply. You're here today in this auditorium, and you've never received Christ as your Savior. You're on your way to hell. You're on your way separated from God. You're on your way to a wasted life. I want to plead with you to turn around. Repent of your sins and come to Christ. Somebody's here and says, well, I'm not sure that I can hold out. Trust Jesus to hold you. He'll take care of you. He'll be with you. Somebody here that's already been saved and you need to make it public. You need to come and say, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I want to line up with God's people. You ought to come today. And some Christian maybe needs to rewarm your life at the fire of God. Do what God tells you to do. While we sing, just as I am without one plea. What page number is that? Number, number 249. Turn there. 249. And let's sing it. Everybody singing. Everybody in here singing. And then someone here, 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 come and take your stand for the, our Lord today. Will you do it while we pray and sing?